Hey guys, it's the Wizard from Tok Talk. Tonight we bring you a very special creepypasta by Paige Turner from No Sleep Reddit. Me and Mountain Man really worked hard on this part one, so hopefully you guys enjoy and look out for part two. So sit back, take a hit, and relax. The show is about to start. Welcome, friend. Come on in. It's storming out there. We lost power, but it's dry and warm inside. I, I appreciate that. Broke down about a mile or two up the road. It's, it's been a long walk to get here, wherever here is. That's all right, friend. Grab a blanket and join us by the fire before you freeze. We got plenty of room. Th- thank you. It's not safe to be wandering around in the dark. Not out here where... The closest town is five miles away by foot. You won't see any cell towers, I can promise you that. No Wi-Fi out in these woods either. Folks in this town call it a lake. But make no mistake, friend. This here is all swampland. If you get lost, you're likely to end up as gator bait. Or worse. Now don't mind that, friend. You'll be safe here. Long as we have this fire, we can ride out the storm till morning. Well, I'm Alex, and that pretty little thing in the green sweater is my wife, Trish. Evening, ma'am. Our nephew, Ethan, is the uh, shy fella staring at his feet like he hasn't been raised with manners. Personally, I think he was dropped on his head before he had that wiry mop of curls to cushion his fall. Now, friend, what did you say your name was? Jeffrey. Jeffrey Davis. Great. Nice to meet you. I hope you won't take offense to an old soul's ramblings. I was just about to educate the young one over there on some local history when we heard your knock. I'm not embarrassed to say I nearly jumped out of my skin, but you're not one of them. I could tell as soon as I saw you. What? One of what? Tell me, do you believe in ghosts, sir? You know, spirits. No, but I, I, I don't know much. Ah, that's okay. What better time to learn? Nobody knows how it started. Before Columbus sailed across the ocean, the Indians already knew to stay away. Not even the Braves ventured into these woods, afraid of bad medicine, as they call it. The first white settlement, no, not Roanoke, the first settlement. Few people heard of it. No historians ever came, that's for sure. Unlike Roanoke, there was nobody to come looking for these folks. You know what? Let me start from the beginning. We have plenty of time. The year was 1565, decades before Roanoke. Peasants weren't allowed to hunt. All game was property of the nobles. When times grew hard, desperate men, mostly outlaws and laborers, decided to take their chances on the ocean. They heard sailors' tales of paradise where the land is open and fertile. A single stolen ship carrying men, women, and children fled Europe in the dead of the night, never to return. The treacherous journey lasted eight months, and many perished along the way. The dead were thrown overboard with little ceremony until food rations ran low. In the end, 58 survivors made it to the New World, desperate to be away from the smell of death. They won ashore as a group. 
The sandy beach was empty and the surrounding woods were vast. Their leader was a very large man named James Smith. He and his first mate, Grant Cook, led their people into the forest. They cleared land, built a settlement near the lake. It was really a lake back then. The water was clean and clear, not green and smelly like it is now. Nothing strange happened in the first year. Almost like something waited until they were trapped, letting them get nice and cozy while they scrapped the boat for parts. While they built their homes and planted their crops, there was no need for law or politics, but James held the final word for all decisions. Until the 13th month, those usually amounted to where to plant this or build that. Then a little girl, Esther Jones, vanished. Her disappearance was first of many tears to befall the community. Here, I can tell you the whole story, you see. Pappy Grant kept a journal. June 13th, 1566. As we uh, sat to supper, loud, desperate knocking, sounding at the door. I instructed Martha and the children to continue eating as I rose to greet our later visitor. Knowing only ill tidings come at such a time, I relinquished my meal to the hounds. Indeed, I was met with the despairing sobs of Widow Jones. Her girl, Esther, failed to return from picking berries. The young ones never ventured far, but even so, they always stayed together. I made quick work of speaking with the children as James gathered men. We ventured into the woods with one of the hours of light remaining to us. Unable to burden the women with our true findings, we blamed wolves as the culprits. I will record one of our true findings here in case, God help us all, true accounts and useful to future generations. The children confirmed their location in the West Woods, past Old Man Herbert's farm. They departed together, but Esther returned alone to retrieve a lost ribbon. The dog delivered us directly to the berry patch, as which time they turned in circles, whimpering, ignoring all calls to heal. They tucked tails and ran in home. Our best hunting dog, known the challenge bears, behave as if whipped. It was then we felt the weight of the silence. No birds sang, no insects stirred, and no winds blew. From the safety of my home, it seemed foolish to say, but it felt as if we were being watched. James summoned our best tracker, William Reed, to determine Esther's tale. In minutes, he discovered the lost ribbon, but as he retracted the children's steps, he became visibly distraught. After confirming his findings with the Owens brothers, he reported the following. The children came down the path, scattering in front of the bushes. Esther is the oldest amongst them, making her easily discernible from others. You can see where she turns back, and this is where she kneels for the search. Here are the markings left by her hands and knees, but that is where her trail ends. It is as if she is standing before us, invisible. William waved his arm through the space, as if to prove she truly was not there. Joshua Owens confirms the analysis, adding, 
There are those capable of disguising a trail, but it's impossible to erase one. Maybe a giant bird came and scooped her up, but looked up as he spoke. What is that? Following his line of sight, I became aware of a white and red object caught in a tangle of limbs above us. William set to work climbing. As in minutes he was directly below it, he crossed himself, nearly falling when he released his grip to do so. He watched, breath held, as Reed untangled the item. Once brought for further inspection, we could not deny it was cloth torn from the children's dress. More disturbing than its location was the dark crimson stain which covered the white material. If she climbed, footprints would lead to the tree, and its bark would show signs. Suddenly, William ran to the next tree, studying its branches. Understanding his logic, he searched high in surrounding treetops until Horace Wright discovered the children's location. As he spoke, he stumbled forward, losing his supper in a violent reaction to the grotesque sight awaiting us. There, tangled in branches, were the remains of little Esther. Out of respect to the deceased mother, I shall not describe the whore manner in which she was surely perished. I suspected large cats, for they often hide their prey in this manner. But Reed was quick to rule it out. Again, easily visible tracks would remain. I developed a terrible coldness in my bones that still has not left me. I fear it never will. We debated how to proceed as the last light faded. Anything short of bringing the child home for proper burial would be a disgrace. Yet, for her poor mother to see this fate, how little remains. She already lost so much. I found myself imploring the men to spare Mrs. Jones the additional pain, suggesting we bury the child beneath the very tree in which she was found. I truly believe it is kinder to carry home a tale of instant painless death instead of agony. It took little convincing and was a relief to all of us. Widow Jones is a kind, caring woman and a heart's ache for her. I am forever ashamed to have failed her daughter in both life and death. With torches freshly lit, William climbed the tree as easily as the first. Upon reaching the remains, a deep, guttural roar emanated from the darkness. It sounded like no beast I had ever heard, causing every hair on my body to stand erect. James ordered William out of the tree at once, descending quickly, clutching Esther's small, shredded shoe. Reed jumped the last four feet. Another roar followed, this time from above, closer and angrier. It was accompanied by the sound of branches cracking under the weight of something heavier. It required all my resilience to stand fast as we braced for unknown terror to attack. We held our torches high, but the light would not reach more than a foot away. Dancing flames should have illuminated the clearing, but 
The darkness was almost tangible. Even more strange was the temperature, the warm summer night, bit into us with a harsh winter wind. No man spoke. We merely huddled together, staring into the impenetrable darkness, waiting. How to describe the sound of that beast as it stole Esther from us for the second time? Alas, I cannot. I can only tell you of the shame we felt as we stood in place, for the monster went without haste, mocking our cowardice. It is my greatest shame, mortally wounding to my heart and pride. When all fell silent once again, James commanded we return to the village at once. We eagerly agreed, ready to leave the horrid place. As we approached the path home, William surged to the front, insisting we were entering the wrong trail. I spoke harshly, anxious to be on our way, walking with my torch aloft to show no other path existed. Reed led us to the path he believed our true path to be, but nothing was there. He walked between the two locations, listing the way he could tell the difference. He was correct. The path we walked daily was overgrown with weeds as if unseen for years. It was a twisted route which several men recalled stumbling over that convinced us. It was a slow journey as we struggled through the thicket, but we made it home safely thanks to Reed's keen eye and knowledge. I cannot stop wondering where the other trail would have taken us had he been less observant. Unfortunately, we were only able to return Esther's shoe to Mrs. Jones. May she find comfort in knowing the child is with her father in a better place. Until tonight, our greatest fears were being discovered by outsiders. Should King Henry ever learn of our paradise, he will surely want it for his own. We are prepared to defend ourselves to the last man should the occasion call for it. Alas... I believe we can rest easy in that regard. After what I have witnessed this night, I am certain whatever plagues us is no mortal man. We are resolved to explore the strange path in full tomorrow. I shall record my findings here upon our return. What's that, friend? You, you got a bathroom. Of course. The bathroom is down the hall, second door to your right. Thank you. You go ahead now. We need to add a few logs to the fire anyhow. Oh, if you hear any tapping on the window, just ignore it. Best not pay attention. But whatever you do, don't open the curtains.